Let's get to it this week. Um, CNBC reports that the housing market isn't going to crash, no matter what I say. <laughs> but a plateau is more likely. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. I agree. I agree. I don't think any of the signs that indicate a crash are in place. Let's let's flash back a little bit. No. 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 There it is. Yes. Yes. I swear we'll get the sound effects thing worked out one day. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Turn it up. Turn it up. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The tides are turning. The time is now. You're home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to invest in foreclosures. Don't you dare buy a house. Buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. Right now. Yeah. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. I am your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum, recording live from our downtown studios with my executive producer, Mr. Jonathan Ranston. Yo, 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 what's up? I'm feeling real hip-hop today. I'm bouncing back and forth doing my b-boy stance. I don't know what it is, <laughs> I was wondering man. what that was, that b-boy stance. Man, you know, I'm feeling, hard, I'm man. feeling real tough, that. man. Lean back. Right now. Well, lean no, back. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, what's going on, everybody? It's a beautiful day, man. Uh, we are uh, continuing to love put out the podcast. Um, if you uh, want to learn a little bit more about us and just our process of of what goes into, um, you know, just finding and funding, fixing and flipping uh, foreclosures and being a foreclosure deals coach um, prodigy and a student, uh, go to our website, enter in your email, and you'll get our free guide, the four F's of foreclosure, and you'll just learn a little bit more about our process, and then uh, you can see if you're ready to kind of take that next step and get started. Love that, man. And uh, adding to that, we are completing our course. We've been talking about this for a while, and honestly, it's just been my schedule that's busy, but there is going to be a study at home course for you those out there who get the four F's and then want to dig deeper and kind of get lessons and training from yours truly about the four F's of foreclosure investing course is pending. Stay tuned for that. Super excited to have a content product where, you know, I can make a couple bucks and I can spread the knowledge What we're finding my students all kind of had the same set of initial questions, right? So everybody's starting in the same spot over the years. We've compiled the descriptions we need to add to those four F's and put it into a course, a training, if you will. Can be bringing that to you. I think it's going to be game changing for those of you out there looking to start your foreclosure investing career. With that, let's get to it this week. Um, CNBC reports that the housing market isn't going to crash, no matter what I say, <laughs> but a plateau is more likely. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. I agree. I agree. I don't think any of the signs that indicate a crash are in place. Let's let's flash back a little bit. No. 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 Yes. I swear we we'll get the sound effects thing worked out one day. It's gonna um, work. It's gonna work. We're 
we're flashing back a little bit to the 08 housing market crash, okay? And on what's going on in the market during that time frame? Well, a couple of things were going. The biggest thing that I recall, you got to remember I was a young investor, and I'll be frank with you, man, like this is 2008, so I'm what, 44 now, so we subtract, we, we go in the time machine and subtract. I'm 30 years old, 14 years ago. Yeah, I was 30 years old, okay? So Donnie Corum, at 30 years old, I'm living in my first big McMansion, as I referred to him, was a 5,000 square foot property in the Stetson Hills area. Six bedrooms, four baths. I was so proud of this place mm-hmm. and I bought it at a foreclosure. Uh, ah, there we go. Ah, I picked up about 80,000, 90,000 worth of equity right out of the gate and it was my family's primary home. Because I was a, you know, at least thought I was a baller, mm-hmm. I was also rocking a Corvette C5 drop top black on black. It was tight. I had a Hummer that I was leasing and Max wife was driving something. I'm sure that was relevant. Um, <laughs> during that time frame, right before 08, I was living high on the hog. I, it really felt like the money I was making from flipping, which at the time I was probably doing 6 to 12 a year. Okay, I had just left corporate America, so I'm coming from a $50,000 a year job, and now I'm making twenty grand a deal times six to 12 a year. So I've gone from 50 grand a year to like 120 grand, maybe even 150 grand a year. I thought I was an unstoppable baller. Okay. Now enter the 2008 crisis. There were looking back, there were tons of signs that a crash was going to happen. <laughs> I like that. We were good. We were there's, there's a ton of scary stuff going on. One of the biggest things that was going on, if you ever saw the movie The Big Short, and if you haven't, yeah. I highly recommend you stop watching this. It's really that hot blonde from The Wolf of Wall Street Ooh, in the Margo. bathtub. See, Margo. Okay, Margo, Margo Robbie. comes out. Of, so let me explain what happened. Like she gets that whole new, hot New York accent. She's yeah. really getting into it. But she really nailed what was going on in that strippers... I remember selling a couple houses to strippers, and you knew they were strippers because they drove Camaros. There was something about strippers <laughs> and Camaros in the 2000 era. Remember the, remember the yeah, long Camaro, like um, the, the wedge-looking thing? Pink dice in the in the uh, in the in the headrest on the <laughs> on the rearview mirror, yeah, the pink right, dice the and dice. stuff. Yeah. yeah, strippers were big on Camaros, so I sold a couple of houses to strippers, and they got loans based on stated income. Right? And Margot explains the stated income problem while she's in a bathtub, so you're distracted by the fact that a really hot blonde right. in a bathtub. But she goes into the stated income loans were all the rage back then. If you could fog a mirror, you could qualify for a home. So in the movie, he actually meets with a couple of you know people, women who have like have bought like four houses in California, wow. like at four or five hundred thousand dollar houses. They just kept approving them for houses because that was the era. We should have seen that as a problem, but we didn't. In 08, I got my vet, my big ass house. I had a thirty foot boat parked in the driveway. I was balling out of control, but nobody saw the writing on the wall pre crash. So what was the big the big hit that caused the crash well if you lend a bunch of money subprime lending is what they called it back then to a bunch of people who don't actually intend on paying those loans back 
And then worse still, most of those were adjustable rate mortgages that had started in 05, 06 era. They were 3-1 arms. So in 05 was when the era that the Big Short was referring to, everybody was getting a mortgage. Three years later, those rates are about to adjust. And because rates had come up substantially since that point, they adjusted really, really high. Okay? Oh, wow. So the person who had a 5% mortgage, which was normal at the time, were freaking out about 5% mortgages right now. But back then, 5 6% was pretty normal, had now adjusted to 6 7 maybe 8%. Okay, they could barely afford it at the five percent number, so the six to eight percent number was impossible to afford. Okay, and all of these were given to people who had kind of sketchy credit, questionable income, mm-hmm. couldn't really verify where the money came from, but they could fog a mirror, so they were pre-approved for a mortgage. Well, that all kind of happened and came to a head in the 08 crisis. And AIG was a big insurance company back in that era, and they were actually more specializing in life insurance, but it also agreed to back some of these mortgage-backed securities during that era. And they looked at the paper, the essence of the big short is he's analyzing the paper and he says you've got way more toxic paper in this portfolio than you have likely to sustain paper. I want to short the mortgage market. And throughout the movie everybody's going, that's ridiculous. Housing's more stable than it's ever been. Why would you bet against the mortgage market? That's what shorting is. You're Mm -hmm. planning on it going down. So he's the only guy in the room going, I'm promising you there's a problem here. I've analyzed the paper. I'm looking back to the mortgage notes themselves analyzing the buyers that got them. And I'm telling you, they're not going to be able to sustain the crisis that's about to happen next. Okay, And he turned out, obviously, to be extremely right. All these, not all of them, but a large portion of the portfolio, and it really just took like 10% of them to start defaulting because the attitude, and I distinctly remember this from 08, the attitude was, well, if my neighbor is not going to pay his mortgage, and he can stay in his house. Why should I have to pay mine? Why should I pay mine, right? So everybody kind of defaulted because the last guy defaulted, (laughs) right? And so the other guy saw that. He goes, well, he doesn't have to pay. Then I don't need to pay either. Mm -hmm. And everybody's not paying, right? So what happened was houses that had been oversold, much like today, everybody's an overpaid for houses because money became very easy to access, and it dried the price of the houses way up. They all stopped paying at the same time. The mortgages started to default. The mortgage market went down. The rest is history, Okay, let's bring that back to where we are today. What they're saying is there isn't as much toxic paper in the market, simply that a lot of people who bought in in the last three years paid such a low interest rate for the property that they're just going to sit still. Okay, they're not necessarily going to sell because the problem we're having right now is you got a bunch of people who made a whole gang of equity. I'm one of them. My net worth literally went up over seven figures net worth based on the properties that I held in the last three years. I mean, a million dollars in equity. However, I don't live in those properties, so I'm good. But if you did live in your property and you're thinking about selling and tapping some of that equity that you've built over the past few years, the next question you got to ask yourself is where the hell are you going to move? Right, because inventory is still very short. So they're saying there aren't enough catalysts in this article to promote a fall in the mortgage market, but rather a plateau. And I would tend to agree with that, except for one thing. Okay, the funny thing about the mortgage market is the unpredictability of it. Mm, yeah. Okay, there's going to be some kind of catalyst. Now I don't know what it is. I do know we thought. 
it was going to be coronavirus. We thought that was going to push the mortgage market, which had already overinflated with all of its low rates and everybody buying houses. We thought that was going to be the catalyst that tumbled the market. It tripped up just enough to fall on its head. And that whole mindset of, well, if he ain't got to pay, I ain't got to pay. So nobody's going to pay and it's going to fall apart. Quite the opposite happened. What we saw was that the coronavirus market, I guess, made people realize they lived in a really shitty house. And they're like, <laughs> now I need to go find a different property because everybody bought houses at the same Time. It was nuts for a while there. Okay. Well, now coronavirus has kind of gone by the wayside. So they're saying because of interest rate increases, which have recently gone from the late threes, early fours to the late fives and nearly 6%, that that's going to slow down the appreciation. They're not saying there's going to be a crash. Okay. I'll be frank with you. As a foreclosure deals coach, Part of my name is foreclosures. Right. So I kind of need that to happen for me to blow up. What I want to be able to do is do a show, hopefully in the next 6 to 12 months, where I open it, and I've done this a couple times, but it opens with, I told you so. (laughs) Hi, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. One of the things we talk about on the show is the importance of great foreclosure data and helping you to find a great deal on a foreclosure property. But where do you find this data? You're certainly not going to find it on Realtor.com. You can't get it on your local MLS. So we have partnered with data provider Foreclosures.com to get you the latest and greatest in foreclosure listings right there in your local market. These properties are not hit the market in most cases, and when they have been foreclosed, gives you easy access to find out more detail so you can get the best deal on a foreclosure property. Getting started is super easy. Head on out to foreclosuredealscoach.com and click on the link labeled foreclosure list. Enter your zip code for a free seven-day trial of the best foreclosure listing data available in your local market. These properties are not even on the market yet, so you can get a jump on them and get a great deal. Once again, this is Donnie Corm, your foreclosure deals coach. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Almost there. We're almost there. I think we're almost there, but we haven't arrived there despite the fact that I've been saying that this is going to happen for quite some time. It just hasn't, right? So I don't want people to lose their homes. I don't want there to be a foreclosure crisis. I'm not wishing for the demise of my fellow American, so please don't get that twisted. On the flip side of that, remember that 08 era I was talking about? Yeah. Up until that point, I was living high on the hog because there was a foreclosure on every corner. Yeah. And I was killing it. Right. So I want that back. So I read this article from CNBC and I go, that's not fair. It's not right. Why? Why can't all of you screw up and stop paying your mortgages at the same time? (laughs) And they're saying that it's going to slow down, but it's not going to stop. Okay. so I agree, but I do think they're not factoring in the X factor. And the X factor is whatever is coming, either at the government level or the fact that we're maybe going to war with China or somebody else, or Russia who's screwing around with Ukraine, oh, or the sudden on, spike in oil prices. What's going on, Joe? Like, there's a lot of other things. Wake up, Joe. Wake <laughs> up. He needs his beauty sleep. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what is the final catalyst that sets us into a foreclosure market? And as I say so often on the show, my crystal ball ain't working either. But I can tell you, this article is right for right now. 
Okay, it's accurate for today's market. Is it accurate forever? The answer is no. We are going to see a foreclosure market. We are going to see a lot of banks taking properties back. There is going to be a a, a change in the market, but we may still have 18, maybe 24 months before that's the case. What they're saying right now is we're not going to see double digit appreciation. We're going to plateau out a little bit, which needed to happen anyway. Right. The median price of a home in Colorado Springs skyrocketed at like 18% a year for like almost three years straight to $550,000 as an average price of a home in my little town I grew up in, Colorado Springs, Colorado, which ain't so little of a town anymore. Denver, where Jay is from, what's your average price of a home right now? Any idea? Uh, it's, it's definitely up there in the sevens, like seven twenty-five, seven fifty, probably. That's what I think I heard. I think you're at seven, I think you're early sevens, if not mid sevens right now. For a single family home in Denver to be at 700000 is in fact a problem. Okay, Don't get that twisted. That's not accurate. It's an accurate depiction of what the market should be doing. That being said, what's going to happen next is anybody's bet, but I do believe we're going to continue to see a slowdown in the appreciation cycle. Is there an opportunity for investors in a slowdown in the appreciation cycle? Absolutely. Okay, because homeowners who've been holding on to their home, watching things go up in value, are not as apt to sell. The guy's like, well, it was worth four hundred last year, you know, and the big market increased. Four hundred went to five hundred. Everybody's like, "I ain't selling you, right?" Because I, I know it's going to go up another hundred grand next year. Why would I give it to you, Gene? Mm. Right? When it slows down, you lose that appreciation. Even non-investor focused people could do the math that if my house is not going up in value as fast as it did in the previous years, it might be time to bail out on this thing and put that money elsewhere. That Corvette starts to look pretty good. That new boat. Always one that starts to look pretty good, right. and if the only trade-off is you can't, you know, you're not going to pull that off in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you sell, you're probably going to have to upgrade price-wise just to maintain your standard of living. But in other places, Texas keeps popping into my head because I don't know why anybody want to live in Texas. But <laughs> like if you're in Texas, like if you went from Colorado to Texas, yeah, you'd probably be doing pretty good. You're going to get a much nicer house. Yeah, like your property taxes are going to be quadruple what they are here, but you're going to get a bigger house for less money. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much true of anywhere other than Colorado right now. Okay? You can go pretty much anywhere else and probably improve on your current property from where you're at. You just have to trade off. You no longer live in the beautiful city of Colorado Springs. But maybe you've always wanted to move to Davenport, Iowa. Maybe that's your thing. Like, it's just like, <laughs> a, my, I can't wait to get to Davenport. It's weird. But everybody's got to have a hobby, yeah. right? So, The point I'm trying to make right now is if things are plateauing, you as an investor have to know what's happening, not what has happened and really not what is going to happen because all the predictive analytics in the world hasn't really done us any good. But you do need to know what market you're operating in right now. And that's important because if you're having a talk with a potential motivated seller, because in this business, we only talk to what? Motivated sellers. We don't talk to sellers. Everybody just wants to put their house on the market. Is not part of our target market. That's what real estate agents are for, and mm-hmm. thank God we have them. For right? sure. Because they maintain and create that retail market that's so critical. But if you're talking to somebody who's got motivation for whatever the reason happens to be, they're going through a divorce. They lost a family member. They died, right? They need to get rid of the property because of that. They're dealing with a job change. They got to be somewhere else relatively fast. They got a tax bill they got to pay. Whatever the motivation. 
motivation is when you're talking to a motivation seller, you need to explain to them, whereas last year I would have told you, Mr. Seller, maybe hold on to this for another 12 months because things are going up so fast. This year, you may be doing yourself a favor getting out from under this property right now because it might, if we're lucky, it's going to go up another 3% this year. And that's if you're lucky. And there's a shot it's not going to go up at all. And there's a slight shot you may see a decrease. Now, any decrease is going to have a massive ripple effect on the market. If we actually go one quarter where property values go down, Mm. the emotional effect of that will be amazing for investors. Mm. If you're in a market where you're seeing that already because of the interest rate increase, certain markets have seen a slight depreciation in property values. Hold on because things are about to get very interesting where you're at. Okay, We're not seeing that. What we're seeing is things are stagnating. I did a show last week um, where we talked about how perfectly nice houses are sitting on the market. I can't seem to get them sold, which is just weird because it's been three years since that's been a condition we've dealt with. Generally speaking, if we yell house for sale just loud enough here, somebody will come and buy the property. That's been the case for quite some time. Well, these last couple of weeks, because we think mostly seasonality, but maybe because of the interest rate increase a little bit, Right, We have seen houses sit on the market now for 15, 18, 30 days even, which is just not something we have dealt with in so long that it's weird. It's actually a normal market condition for your home to be on the market somewhere pretty close to 30 days. That, right. actually, that should be the case. Okay, But because we've gotten so spoiled in the last couple of years, we've not seen that, so we don't really know what to do. Okay, if we're going to plateau, you've got to be pitching your sellers, your motivated sellers on a on a pending plateau. Okay, that property values are not going up as fast as they used to, and there's no point in holding on for things to go up substantially because you can get another 50 grand next year. If you're going to sell this thing, Mr. Seller, you need to sell it now because the market's not going up like it used to. Furthermore, time is the worst enemy of properties. Okay, and the longer that property sits empty, you've got vandalism you got to deal with, taxes, the utility bill, everything that's adding up. So if you were kind of motivated, you need to be more motivated now because time is your enemy. Okay, if you're out there driving for dollars, what you're looking for dilapidated homes, you're taking pictures of those homes, and then you're skip tracing to find the owner so you can show them how bad their property is. But now, with this potential plateau, you can also say now is the time to sell because it's not going to continue to go up in value. It actually has a pretty high probability if you're sitting there on a vacant property of going down in value as it gets vandalized and racks up additional expenses. Right? This is an opportunity. Everything the market does is to some degree an opportunity if you know how to spin it to talk to your motivated sellers. Now, a lot of people have trouble with this. Well, you're taking advantage of people. You're buying when people are down. No. I can tell you that the reason the market continued to go up or even function during every other recession we had was purely tied to real estate investors. Understanding what the market was doing and going, if we let these dilapidated houses sit on the market, they will continue to bring the property values down. You are actually doing your neighborhood, your community, your city, and your state a service when you invest in real estate because you're putting money in the community. You're putting construction workers to work. You're buying parts at Home Depot. Okay, You're putting all this money in otherwise asset that, that there was no financial benefit to the investor. They would simply sit there. Do you remember when Detroit started burning down houses because they had too many of them? We could get there again if there weren't if it weren't for investors. 
Okay, so if we're going to plateau, know how to pitch that, know how to understand that. If you're already dealing with recessionary numbers, and I will tell you that probably makes up less than 5% of the market here in the U.S. because most of the market's just kind of stabilizing right now. They're not going down. They're not going up. They're just flatlining a bit because we're all waiting to see what's going to happen next. But if you're in one of those few markets that's actually recessionary or pulling back on prices, hold on to your hats and start marketing a lot more because you're going to find some great deals when the emotional byproduct of people are watching their equity dwindle away for no other reason. We saw it in the stock market. Look what's going on there. Last few months, there's been a 30% attrition in the stock market. That's being caused by two things. Number one, the market's going down because companies are worth less. They're not selling as much products, right? And number two, the emotional effect of a slight price reduction in the Apple stock that's been so stable for so long creates this ripple effect where they're going, well, if it's going to go down, I'm going to sell my shares, which causes other people to see that's going down further. Right. So they sell their shares, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The thing collapsed on itself, and we saw a 30% reduction in a lot of sectors in the stock market. We will see that in housing. It hasn't happened yet, but a plateau is the first step towards that happening. You first have to stop the ascent and balance out a little bit before there's any shot of having a descent. The time is coming. I don't know when it is. I just know what's happening as a real estate investor you need to be ready for everything okay be prepared because it's changing right before our eyes and that's our show like this is an easy one because you got to know that a plateau means things are shifting does that do i know when it's going to change or become a foreclosure market no i do not but i know of how to sit around longer people who can't cover their mortgage payment and be forced to get the properties back to the bank when they go back to the bank they become foreclosures and then it's time for foreclosure deals coach to really shine here we go here we come so we're on our way and i am so excited about what the future holds but in the meantime time keep doing your basics keep knocking doors keep scouting deals keep learning about valuation don't change a thing just know that it's changing around you be prepared to alter with the market accordingly this is donnie quorum your foreclosure deals coach thanking you once again for tuning in to the foreclosure deals coach podcast and reminding you now and always don't buy a house buy a deal Want more of the Foreclosure Deals Coach? Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more of the mindset, methodology, and tools you'll need to invest in foreclosures. Visit foreclosuredealscoach.com and text DEAL to get a list of foreclosures in your area.